See there, if you have a Bible, meet me in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 3. My name is Mitch, if you're a guest of ours, we say a special welcome to you. And uh, if you would grab that connect card in the worship guide that you got on your way out, we would love to know that you were here. And anyway, we would serve you. We would also love to meet you. I'd love to meet you, talk with you, and get to know you. If you meet me back at Info Central, that info bar back there, uh, we would love to chat with you. And get to know you a little bit. But as we've gone on this journey into the book of Jonah, it's been fun and interesting simply because most of us have some sort of clue about the book of Jonah, right? Like we've done the VeggieTales thing or we've seen, you know, or heard a song or maybe your mom or your dad told you a Bible story or maybe like me, you were born in church, grew up in church and have always been in church and you just kind of take for granted the fish story. Right? And so, in chapter 1, what we see, if I could boil it down into three easy steps for us, chapter 1, we see God speak to Jonah. Right? And we could simplify it to that. God speaks to Jonah, Jonah runs away, and then God pursues Jonah. That's chapter 1, and there are a lot of parallels to your life and to mine. In chapter 2, after God speaks to Jonah in chapter 1, we see in chapter 2, Jonah comes and speaks to God. And so there's this dialogue happening. So God goes first and speaks first and is pursuing Jonah and, of course, catches up to Jonah. And Jonah responds by speaking to God. And God responds back to Jonah. And so we move from that dialogue from God to Jonah to Jonah to God into this place to where God is now in chapter 3 going to speak through Jonah. So God speaks to Jonah. Jonah speaks to God. And now God's going to speak through Jonah. What we're really talking about is getting on mission. If you're taking notes today, I think it's the first thing in your notes, and it's this. Getting on mission. But there's this thing that happens when we have to get on mission, and it requires us to change, doesn't it? So getting on mission, but then I threw this in there for you. How does change happen? Right? We don't like change most of the time. But we must to get on mission. Jonah had to to get on mission. But what is the mission of God's people? Right? If I was to poll the audience, maybe we would get a bunch of different things, all of which are good. There's a lot in God's word about what we can do when we're on mission for him. There's tons. And all of it's good because the whole word is good. But if you were to really boil it down, when Jesus uh, walked off this earth and then floated away from this earth or whatever that looked like for the disciples, he told us what our mission actually is. He said this in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you, baptize me. Then he said, and I will be with you. But isn't it interesting that it is for us? Jesus was speaking to a group. He was speaking to the future of the church, the body of Christ. Like, we all know or should know that the church is not the building, it's the people. And as we gather, and as we go, we go as disciples, discipling each other, 
to go and make more disciples. Being and making disciples is our mission. Because God gave it to us. God breathed that out to us. And then the book of Acts gives us the history of it. We're to take the name of Jesus to all people. All of them. And so then Jonah, on try number two here, is going to do that. Look at what Lyle says in Jonah chapter 3. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. God is gracious, isn't he? I wonder how many times God has to come to you and to me. Us. A lot of times he has to come a second time. Here's what he says in verse 2. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh. Some of your translations are going to say, and immediately Jonah gets up. Goes to Nineveh according to the Lord's command, or according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh How about this? Believe God. That's amazing. How many of us, when the word of the Lord comes, we just believe God? By the way, the word of the Lord does come. Every time you read it, every time it's preached, it comes. Do you believe God? It keeps going, though. It says... People of Nineveh believed God, and they, there's that word again, they proclaimed a fast, and dressed in sackcloth. This is an amazing statement from the greatest of them to the least. And so when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. In verse 10, God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. So Jonah, on try number two, immediately goes and obeys brings this message, but isn't it interesting that we already know from the context that he brings this message to the people that he didn't want to bring the message. He finally goes, and then what do they do? They repent. And God doesn't do to them what he said he was going to do to them. And next week we're going to learn that that Jonah is really unhappy about that. He's extremely displeased. Verse 1 of chapter 4 is going to say. 
But before we get to that next week, I think it's important for us to ask the question of ourselves. Who's the person that if they repented, you would have a problem with? You see, we often think about the goodness of God, the kindness of God in our own life, and when it comes to us, if we want that, we feel like we deserve that, even though we don't, I'm just being honest with you about my own life. We, we love being on the receiving end of the goodness of God. What happens when the goodness of God goes to people we don't think deserve the goodness of God? For every one of us, if we were to get super honest and super raw, if we could read each other's thoughts today and not fake it, there is that group for all of us. Or at least there used to be that group for all of us. And my, my, my goal is not to dive into the politics of that and unpick that or like think about who that would be, but just for you to do that. And to think about that. You know, because the, the word of God going into cultures, even hostile ones like Nineveh. Or think about the ones in our world, our own world. When it goes in, it affects change because the Bible says and testifies of itself that when the word of God goes out, it never returns empty. It always accomplishes what it was set out to accomplish. So as you think about that, I even think about our own culture today. I'll, I'll put a, a picture up on the screen for you. That the most Googled brand in the history of the world. I get it, Google's only like a couple of big words. Think about it. Kanye West confesses Jesus and writes an album. Throw that picture up. And on the front of it, that millions of people will listen to, and millions of people will Google, it says this phrase, Jesus is King. We, we go to another example, Lauren Daigle sang the national anthem of the college football national championship game. Now, regardless of what you think about Lauren Daigle, I don't know a whole lot about it. But here's what I do know, that tons of people were going to go Google, who is Lauren Daigle? <laughs> and you know what? They were going to hear something about Jesus when they did. God could move through anybody. And then I'll bring a little closer home to myself, one of my favorite football players, soccer players, for the great Liverpool Football Club. Sorry, Ben. Uh, I was just scrolling on Instagram because I was wasting time and I shouldn't have been. I was just confess your sins. Healing there, James chapter 5. <laughs> And I was scrolling through and I followed him on Instagram along with millions of other people. And I was caught because he posted a video. And normally I scroll past him because they're just down there, like, you know, keeping up the soccer practice or something. But this one was different. He was wearing a shirt that had a cross, an equal sign, and a heart. And I was like, Ooh. And I stopped and I watched the video and it was amazing. It was him. I think I actually have a picture of it. It was him being baptized and confessing out loud, on Instagram, to millions of people that he had given his life, he had surrendered his life to Jesus. And here's the words that you can't read down there. He said this, I give you my failures and my victories. My greatest title is to love Jesus. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed. 
new things have appeared. And then he said this phrase, it's a new time. Isn't that amazing? I'm not advocating for any of those three people, but here's what I do know. Christians everywhere have been really concerned with a few people's sincerity of their faith, and not nearly concerned enough with celebrating that Jesus is powerful enough to save and use anyone, including me. I also know you take down pictures. <laughs> I also know that right here in our own community, this one, like you and I, in this community, Jesus is miraculously saving people. That nobody knows that aren't the most Googled brand in the history of the world. God knows George by name. You might remember him from a few weeks ago when he was baptized. God knows him by name. God knows Alfonso by name. Right? Nobody else does. But God knows them and loves them and was powerful enough to save them. And use them. I mean, think about it. The Bible says that angels in heaven rejoice when one person crosses the death of one. It's powerful. Getting on mission and affecting change are both products of God's word going through his people to the world. And what is the world? A community of people. From one community to another. In fact, Jesus says in John 17, we praise and we've been reflecting on that a lot here, that that's actually the thing that will convince people that Jesus is God. By how we love each other. So God speaks through Jonah to this community, to this city, to these terrorists we learned in chapter 1. God speaks directly to them, and we see four essentials of what your notes said, but I've changed them like 17 times. It's like, what is the right word to communicate that? So, essentials, but really acts, moves that happen, that shape the mission of God through the people of God. That, that, that the word of God shapes the mission of God through the people of God. And we could go to a thousand places to cover this, but they're all right here in chapter 3, and I want to give you some context with some other scriptures, but number one, if you're taking notes, is this, God is a loving and good Father. Now I know that if you've been around church, you know that intellectually, but I want you to think about how Jonah would have felt about that when he stepped into this place where it was known terrorism and he did not want to go, in fact, he made extravagant plans to go the opposite way. but that he is a loving and good father. Throw up there 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Here's what it says, The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. You don't love, you don't know God, because God is love. Verse 11, Dear friends, if God loved us, wow, in this way, we must also love one another. 
God is a loving and good Father, and as a result, we love because He first loved us. Jonah gets this second chance, and it says that according to the word of order, according to God's command, he goes back to these people. He obeys this time. And they repent. They repent. And what you see there is number two in your notes that God works through his word and in community. Most of us who have been in church for any length of time, we we know that God works in his word. But we often forget that it's in the context of community. Because one of the things that happens for you and I is is we can we can garner and gain a lot of information and have it and know things. But isn't it true that you can know a lot of things, but until there's people around you holding you accountable for that, you can do nothing with what you know. I'm really good at that. <laughs> and then I got married. Praise God. Now there's accountability there, right? But there's somebody who knows everything about me. Same is true in the community. Because 1 Corinthians 12 20 reminds us that though there are many parts to this, though you and I, not one of us, are the same, even though there's many parts to it, there's only one body. Right? So, so if you're exercising the gift that God has given you and it goes away, it's like pulling a finger off or ripping your elbow out. A lot of times we, we get into this habit of looking at church as though it's, it's an entity instead of an organism. With great care, we participate in the body of Christ because we are the body. I need you, and you need me, and you need the people around you right now. Because we are a body. God himself is in a community and it's really difficult to explain the Trinity because they are interdependent on each other. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three persons in one person. And you're like, but that doesn't make sense. Because Jesus said, well, here, here is the Lord, he is one God. And you're like, Father, Son, Spirit, that's the reason. Yes. Three one, yes. They are interdependent on each other. And we were made in His image and His likeness and we are interdependent on each other. So God is loving and good and He works through His Word and in community. Those things are true right here because what happens is the way that Nineveh repents, look at it in verse 5, it says, they proclaim the fast. They dressed in sackcloth. And then this great phrase, from the greatest to the least of them, it didn't matter where they ranked in the kingdom. All of them, sackcloth and ashes, repent. And you know what? Because communities are like this, everybody just kind of does it. Everybody's kind of went along. And we can look at movements in history and just watch them, the hordes of people, that just because a few went, so many went. 
How, how does the move of God in his people start? How do we see this city redeemed? How do we see God's kingdom come on earth in Tampa just as it is in heaven? Number three, a move of God in his people starts with repentance. How do I get to the place where God can use me? God always goes first. It's not our work, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 just reminds us that it's his work, not ours, or we would boast about it. We'd be prideful about it. I would. You would. We just are. We're good at that. But yet, verse 10 says, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not for salvation, but for each other. When, when my relationship with God is settled, I can have my relationship with you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should the Spirit Himself intercedes with us. Intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. You're like, Mitch, what does that even look like? What does it even look like to, to submit into a community and, and be interdependent on these people around me that I don't even know yet? What does that look like? It looks like getting in a city group. That's what it looks like. And we don't just do these because we think we need to do something. Right? Like, Carl and I, like, we don't need more to manage. We don't even want to manage you. Or you want to lead you to the place that God says you can be changed into the image of His Son. And it's with each other. It's with us. Together. Encouraging, admonishing each other. Discipling each other. It's not just left to a few professionals. It's with each other. And then look at verse 27. Because the Spirit searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because He intercedes for the saints according to the Lord. So step in, and He'll help you as you repent. But it starts there, doesn't it? Look at, look at the people. It says, when, when the word reached the king, he gets up, and he does the same thing. And he says, Everyone must call out in this way. Each must turn from his evil ways. This move of God began with repentance. It began with leaders repenting. It began with people repenting. It began with the whole community recognizing that they had a need for God. And then this amazing thing in verse 10 God sees their actions. And he relents. So the last one, number four in your notes, is that powerful conversations with God are possible. We're in the middle of this days of prayer. Why do we pray? Because as our heart aligns with God's, what does God tell us? That he will act. When Jesus looked at the people that were around him, when he was walking on this earth and said, Whenever you ask in my name, I will do it. I don't know about you, but you're like, no, how can you make a promise like that? What if I asked for a Ferrari? <laughs> so I wouldn't ask for that in his name. Right? Because what's the father heart of God? People. Whether they deserve it or not, because, by the way, none of us deserve it. So it's always for others. So as we look up to God, and we see 
Jesus, and we fix our eyes on Jesus, and then He comes in, and we repent, and He begins to do His work in us, the Scripture tells us that when He begins a work in you, He'll finish it, He'll carry it to completion, and that happens, we're then able, as those powerful conversations with God are happening, as repentance is happening, as the Spirit is moving in us with groanings and praying for us too deep for words, we don't even know what's happening sometimes, but He's moving, we can then look with Him at the people around us. But what really happened here? Right? I mean, did Jonah randomly preach the word and Nineveh had a great revival? I mean, is, is that really what happened here? I think, I think Tim Keller wisely points out to us that we don't have any evidence that the city actually turned from their ways. Like, long term. That bothered me when I read this. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want revival. Right? But here's the reality. We're not in control of that, are we? Neither was Jonah. But what did happen is when Jonah went and he spoke the truth and spoke the word of God, even if it was just on the surface, what was happening? Why are we being saved? See, because God is both a just God, but he's also a merciful God. Even the Hebrew words for God here are different when it refers to how Jonah was talking to him and how the Ninevites were talking to him. When Jonah was talking to him, it was Yahweh, that personal God. When the Ninevites were talking to him, it was just a more generic Elohim for them. They didn't know him as their personal God. Yes, certainly some did. Certainly some were going to come to him. But what is true, what we do see here, is that, that there is a, a common grace that's available to people that they would follow the ways of God, even if just in a civil sense. So what happened, was it, was it just social work at that point then for Jonah? Was it just social work? Are they stopping their evil deeds, and even though there aren't believers in the one true God? I think one of the things that happens for you and I is that uh, it gets really... Uh, easier, we get used to seeing one or the other, right? That you can have social justice without a robust pointing to Jesus as the only source of full shalom, full peace on earth. And only in the cross of Christ you truly find hope. We often think that you can only have one or the other. Or that pointing to Christ without any demonstration that He is in fact working in the world. We often are guilty as Christians of falling on one or the other, but what we see with Jonah here is that the gospel, the message of a just but loving God who will act on justice in the world, is also willing to be gracious to cities and people who act justly. Even if they don't worship the one true true God of Scripture, He is a gracious God. Eternally, He will still act in justice. One day he will make all things right. But there is mercy available. He does make ways for people to experience his grace and for you and I to point them to him. So as followers of Jesus, we must be active in this temporal world, this temporary place, and speak truth to power and act justly and advocate for those on the receiving end of injustice of all kinds. We're actively participating in that. Even next week, uh, we're invited to 
Oh, the B3 thing, the B3 chapel next Sunday night at 5.30. And you're invited down in South Tampa. We can get you some details on that if you're interested. But just gathering to confront this issue of human trafficking, this injustice in the world, in the name of Jesus, because we think God cares about it. We're going to bring what we have and step into that because we believe that God is a just God. But we will simultaneously share the eternal gospel truth with ourselves. We need both. So what's happening here? God isn't shifting his intentions or being soft or changing his mind. The eternal God, higher than us, beyond our full understanding, listen to this, this is important, has willed both the means, prayer, and the ends, relented. He sits above all of that. So what we do know is in this temporary world, we pray. Because he's decided in his goodness that prayer has power because the one we pray to holds all the power. Amen? So let's get personal. Right? If we're interdependent on each other, let's get personal. Do you know this good father? Do you know it? Did you walk in here today, surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I just be honest with you? That move sounds so scary, but it couldn't be, and there couldn't be anything better in your life. Because right now, you're in control of your life, and that's not good. You're not trustworthy. You're not always loving. You're not always kind. You don't always make wise decisions. But there is a God who loves you. And who gave up his son, Jesus, for you. And he went to the cross to pay the price for your sin and for mine. So that we could have a relationship with him. So we could be made right with the God of the universe. And have life in his name. If you've never done that, the Bible says it's so simple. It's not easy, but it's so simple to become one of his kids. It says, if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead. You will be saved and it will never be the same. And I encourage you to do that today. If you've never done that, don't waste another second. Do it right now in your heart to God. Just tell Him how you feel. Tell Him what's going on. Ask Him to step in and do what you love. Do it right now. Stop listening to me and do it. <laughs> and then tell Him. Celebrate that with you. Are you committed to this to you? If the things that God said are true, and we're actually interdependent on each other, then we actually need each other more than we even know. We actually need each other. You depend on them. You depend on these people. Are you in community with these people? And in the Word. You need these people in your life. God thinks you do. God thinks you do. And He made you. He wrote the manual for how you operate. Just take the simple step of getting in a group next week. You've got this week to think about it, pray about it, and then join one. It doesn't matter where. They're all they're all over the city. You can get online, you can get it, get the information. But just pick one and, and submit yourself to that community because it's the place where God moves. It was His call. 
one body, many parts. I mentioned Acts being the history of the church. It just clearly lays out that they both gathered together to lift up the name of Jesus and remind themselves of the goodness of God and the teaching of the apostles. And so that's what we're doing right now. But it also says that they gladly broke bread in their homes. Both. And that God met them their powerful. We encourage you to submit yourself to the community because you need it. And then what about this? Where might you need to repent right now? Every one of us. There's something in our heart, something in our mind, there's an idol in our heart that we need to repent of. I don't know where you are today, but surely for every one of us, if you call out mightily to God, He will move. Not always how you want, but you'll get answers. It might be wait, it might be no, but you'll get answers. And sometimes it's yes. Praise God. So I'm just calling you to pray. Calling you to repent. Calling you to be in community. Calling you to pray. Because it's the way God works. We're in 21 days of prayer. Are you participating? I love this quote from Martin Luther. He says this, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Can we leave that up there for a second? I just want you to think about it. To be a Christian and not pray would be the equivalent of you living without breathing. You can't. If you don't need to pray to the God you call your Lord, then He's not really your God. I'm speaking to myself. What does it mean that Scripture says to pray without ceasing? Just constantly be in conversation with God. We must pray. If God will listen and act on the call of Nineveh, how much more will He listen and act on the call of His kids? I have three kids, nine, seven, and three. And you want to know something? When they call, I act. Sometimes I know they want, praise God. But I do. Especially that little three-year-old girl. And I'll move for that. That's how God feels about you. A long time ago, there's a scripture that says God stings over his children. Think about that. That God feels that way about you. Not how everybody else in your life feels about you, but he loves you with a perfect love of a perfect father. And he sings that over you. Love that. We must, as the people of God, be in prayer because we must bring a word to our city from our God. And we will need him as we pray. Why is that true? Let me go here as we wrap this up. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that today? I hope so. But how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? We're guilty of keeping this to ourselves. We're not supposed to was to bring the word of God 
to the city, whether they listen or not. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's not talking about me right now. It's talking about you. Going to the people where you are every day this week. Bringing the word of God. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Consider this your invitation to be sent. Let's get about it. Amen? A few. <laughs> Wait for the rest. But look at this. I love this. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word. And then James throws in and James. James chapter 1. Just be hearers of the word. Be doers. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Get to. Can you imagine if that person you're thinking about right now at work? That person you're thinking about right now in your family? That person you're thinking about right now who's your neighbor? What if they surrendered to the will of God for their life and became a part of his family if God adopted them into his family to the glory of his son forever? Would that be awesome? Would that be awesome? So as we bring the word of God to the people of this city, we will need each other. Someday it will turn into great persecution, but right now it just turns into great making fun of That's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You should have the answer of what God has done in your life. The task is indeed too big for us, but not for our God. The gospel is good news to us, to our city. We bring the peace of God and we live it together. That is the good news. It's the mission and the changes we must make. So we started 